Years ago, I was in a men's Bible study. So some of you have heard me say this before. And we got through probably five or six chapters. And I said to the guy that was leading it, can we do something else? I'm just not getting much out of this. And he came, up, he came back with one of the best rebuttals to that. How much are you putting into it? <laughs> and so I had to really examine my heart, and I realized that I wasn't putting much into it. That's why I wasn't getting much out of it. And I will say, you will get out of this what you put into it, so I will continue to encourage you to read, or to pray, to read, and to underline, so that when we come together, we can discuss it and have some fruitful conversation. So this first chapter, oh, side note, everybody got the email that I sent out with the supplemental information? Anybody get a chance to listen to both messages? Okay. Any, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, so the privilege of prayer is a fantastic um, uh, message by Vodi Bakum, and then uh, talking about God's sovereignty and prayer with the, with the Joe Rigney message. Both of them very, very helpful messages. So, chapter one is titled "The Heart: A Heart Set on God." So last time we met, two weeks ago, I had a list of questions to consider in regards to prayer. Something to think about. Who likes pumpkin pie? Most people, right? Especially this time of year. All right. So if I was making a pumpkin pie, would you agree that the most important part of it is getting all the ingredients right? If you, don't have, if you have too much of something or not enough, it's not going to taste right, correct? But let's say I took all the ingredients, I mixed them up, and you know, instead of making my own crust, I bought one of the things, the pre-made crust, which can still be tasty. Um, but I, instead of putting the pumpkin in it and then putting it in the refrigerator, I just kept it. Uh, or actually just took an old pizza box and dumped the pumpkin on it and then threw the, broke up the, cr the crust and threw it in there. It's got all the right ingredients. But, did you bake? but is it appealing? It can help you. <laughs> Don't go off topic here. The point is the presentation does matter, right? How we put it together does matter. So ultimately, the ingredients, we have to get those right first. So in prayer, the ingredients, that's our heart. We have to have the right heart when we pray. And that's what this chapter focuses on. And, you know, I'll be shocked if we get past the first chapter today. Like I said, I don't want to rush through this. I want to make sure that we really uh, discuss this and think about this. Because we have to have our hearts in the right place. And then 
we can work on the words, the presentation, um, and understanding even the posture, how it is um, put forth. So let's start in chapter 1, page 15. Anyone underline anything on the first page? Or write a note on anything on the first page? Or highlight anything on the first page? How about that first statement? Like Pastor mentioned, for Christians, prayer is like breathing. <laughs> All right, so, so let me ask this. How many of you would, would say that like breathing is done naturally and continuously, so is your prayer life? Okay, raise your hand if you've got to work on that. All right. <clears throat> so the vast majority of us, I would say, probably it's not as, as natural to pray at all times, in all places, for all things. Uh, we tend to, and the, the second page, page 16, he goes into that a lot. Um, also, I just wanted to point out, he says, when you're born into the family of God, you enter into a spiritual atmosphere wherein God's presence and grace exert pressure or influence on your life. Prayer is the normal response to that pressure. So I know Paul would agree with this, and Mike probably would too. Um, you ever have a really challenging time in your life, and you are just absolutely brought to your knees and you are forced to pray. You are forced to rely on prayer because there is nothing else you can do that is by design. And a lot of the testimonies I've heard from people that have gone through extremely difficult times say that is some of the sweetest prayer they've ever experienced is during those difficult times when there was nothing else that you could do. And they followed up by saying, I wouldn't want to go through that again, but... <laughs> All right, page 16. Anyone underline anything on page 16? <laughs> right before the frequency of prayer. Okay. <laughs> All right, anything underlined up to the frequency of prayer, Paul? I had underlined continual, persistent, incessant prayer is an essential part of Christian living and it flows out of dependence on God. Yeah, and so. Just like breathing, we require oxygen. Prayer requires God. Prayer without God, I was talking to my friend in Texas, and he asked me a question about prayer, and I said, that's a good question, but let me help you understand something. The first prayer 
that God actually listens to is the one where you repent. So until then, it doesn't matter what you say. And so we need God to be a part of our lives so that our prayer actually does something. I, uh, I highlighted that first, the first couple sentences there. It says, Because ours is such a free and prosperous society, it is easier for Christians to feel secure by presuming on instead of depending on God's grace. I don't know about, I can't speak for everybody here, but I'm going to guess we all suffer from that to a certain extent. Because we have so much, we rely less on God than people who don't have as much. Uh, I've read a number of testimonies from the Middle East and from uh, China, and people that, are, that grow up with nothing and don't even have a, their own Bible spend so much more time in prayer because they have nothing else to rely on. Similar to how we might be if we have an illness that you know, sidelines us. But because we have access to things and resources and monies and credit and all these things that man uh, can do on his own, we probably don't we probably do, as it says here, more presuming on instead of depending on God's grace. And then he says, Too many believers become satisfied with, phys- with physical blessings and have little desire for spiritual blessings. Again, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of thinking more about... All right, how am, I, how am I going to have a good day or a successful year in my business? Um, then maybe how am I going to uh, lead other people, lead unsaved people to Christ? And sometimes put more effort into seeking to accomplish those things. All right, so he talks about the frequency of prayer as well. And so for Paul, from uh, frequency of prayer, anything underlined or highlighted? Did you say not yet? Okay. Anybody have anything on page 17? Oh, 
Two hours. He said, if I don't spend at least two hours every morning in prayer, I don't get anything done. Yep. Yeah, and there are different uh, schools of thought in how long prayers should be. And, and I don't, I mean, Scripture doesn't tell us, so I think that is something that is situational. Though, if we only pray at a scheduled time, or if we only pray if we schedule some time, we should probably examine our hearts. I was highly convicted last Friday. So Jared and I are sitting in the tree stand hunting, or not tree stand, but elevated stand, and we're both sitting there praying that we would be able to shoot a deer. And Man, I must have prayed for an hour at least. All right, Lord, send us a deer. Doesn't have to be a big one. You know, just bring it right around here, you know, getting trying to get specific. And then I thought to myself, oh my, I just spent an hour praying for physical sustenance. How much time have I spent praying for the lost today? And the answer was none. So for the next hour, I kept praying for lost people. <laughs> and then guess what? A deer showed up. So I'm not saying one equaled the other, but uh, I think sometimes we can pray more about temporal things and less about eternal things. Uh, again, I don't know if you fall into that same category at times. Yeah, but you're in a good environment, though. You stop and think about it. That's why the, you were out in the woods. You mean to pray, period? You can actually, actually preach better, I think, more and more of a quiet environment. Yeah, and I'm assuming each of us has a place or a time of day um, where we are probably most comfortable praying. I'm actually a little distracted when I'm hunting because I don't want to close my eyes because I don't want to miss a deer approaching. So while it is a good time to get a lot of prayer in, for me, my favorite place is in my closet with the door shut. Um, No, but it's so, so I don't get distracted. Yeah, so I, I think it stems from when kids are young, we teach them, and we've talked about this before, we teach them to close their eyes so they're not distracted and looking around. Uh, but yes, there is definitely an advantage to be able to pray with your eyes open, especially when you're driving. Yes. All right, uh, page 18, or for Paul, starting with a way of life. Yeah, Rob. You know, um, it seems maybe for me, during the course of a day, yeah, praying, 
So let's, let's park there for a second. Who would say that praise is prayer? So if we, if we consider what prayer is, it is communicating with God. And so, obviously, if you say praise God out loud because other people are around and they saw what happened, then to a certain extent, that's I think would still qualify as prayer because it is still communicating to God, uh, just like when we prayed for the missionaries. Now, we directed our prayers to God and then made requests and, and uh, made mention of things. But I would say, praise God, thank you, Lord, is just as much prayer as, Lord, help me. So, again, consider the purpose of prayer. And um, Vodi goes through the privilege of prayer, but he also talks about the purpose The purpose of prayer, I would argue, is to change us, not to change God. Because every time we come to him in faith, we are exercising, we are potentially strengthening our faith, our um, holiness. We are, again, it's like a muscle. Right? If you, if you lift a 50-pound bag of salt once a week, you're not going to get strong. You're not going to get muscles, but you'll be able to lift that bag. But if you want to get strong, you've got to do it more than once a week. Well, similarly with prayer, right? There's got to be more communication than just once a week. And that comes in different ways. That comes in praising Him. That comes in making requests, but ultimately it is that dependence on him. Because when we come to prayer in faith, we are acknowledging him, we are submitting to him, we are uh, showing dependence, we are, we are putting ourselves in a position where he can change us. And that, I believe, is the primary purpose of prayer so that God can change us by, number one, bringing us there. Why did he bring us there? And understand, every time he brought us there. But number two, what is he going to do as a result of that prayer? And sometimes just by saying no or wait is enough to change us. So I would argue that prayer does not change God. Prayer changes the prayer. Prayer. Yeah. So uh, the part where this was for fellowship with God, where it says um, all life's thoughts, deeds, and circumstances become opportunities to commune with our Heavenly Father. If they attempt it, hold the temptation, see something good and beautiful, thank Him for it, receive evil, ask Him to fix it. Um, meet someone who doesn't know Christ, pray for Him, draw someone to Himself, and then John Trouble, who got delivered. Like all those different circumstances. Yeah. Paul? Yeah. 
the weapons were always in the air. Their understanding is that when needed, they they're ready to pull out and use. And the analogy from the prayer for us, I thought that was pretty good. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because at first, he talks about the armor and always having your armor on and always having their weapons where they can be reached. But then he says, a Christian should carry the weapon of all prayer like a drawn sword already in his hand. So you can see both elements. Number one, it's always there. It's always accessible. So I think that is the important part. But when it's in the scabbard, when a sword is in a scabbard, it is useless. <laughs> it is not, it cannot do what it was meant to do, right? So it has to be taken out. So I would say in that respect, you know, crossing uh, metaphors here, our Bibles, right? It's great to have 12 Bibles, but if it's not taken out and used, it's not very valuable. And similarly, you know, if, you know, I would presume everyone here has truly put their faith in Christ, we have that sword of prayer. How are we using it? Are we just keeping it in the scabbard and saying, I got it, I'll, you know, I'll take it out at some point? Or is it ready and are we using it? Anybody else have anything? Uh, page 18 or 19, anything from the Spurgeon quotes? And it's like, this is a, a very common analogy for prayer, but imagine your relationship with your spouse or with a child or with a best friend. If there's no talking, it's not much of a relationship, right? Yeah, so... All right, so page 20 or around uh, the fellowship with God. Anybody have anything underlined or highlighted? Sir? So think about that statement. There's no greater expression or experience of fellowship than prayer. I think some people would, would argue and say, no, it's not prayer, it's reading the Bible. Any thoughts on that? Prayer 
So consider it from this perspective. Is the Bible itself holy? The words and the arrangement of them fulfill a purpose, and that is to inform us about God. So, are the pages, are the book, are even the words themselves, apart from the order that they're in, special? Yes. Just the physical properties. They're not holy. Right? The, the only thing that makes the Bible valuable is because of who it tells us about. Who wrote it? And, you know, what are the implications of everything around us? Right? So it's not... Should we have respect for the Bible? Yes. You know, if somebody leaves it on the floor, we don't have to, you know, yell at the kids or anything. You know, if they throw it, you know, maybe. But uh, it's not the book. It's the God of the book, right? And so we learn of God through the book, but we have the communion with God in, that, in prayer. And Scripture guides our prayer, Right? Well, so let me ask you this. Can we pray if we don't have a Bible? Yes. A lot of people around the world have to do that. When we have the Bible, does that assist us in prayer? Absolutely. So I agree with this statement. And five years ago, I would not have. I, I truly believe that prayer is the most important aspect of our lives. Um, in the Gospel Primer, which I've mentioned a few times, it says that we have been saved to pray. And if we're not praying, we're not fulfilling part of the, pro- the purpose for God saving us. Somewhat, yeah. So I guess I would say it this way. Can an unsaved person pray? Yes. Can an unsaved person read the Bible? Yes. Can an unsaved person's prayers be answered by God in a way that they would be for a saved person? Apart from salvation, I would say no. Can a person understand aspects of the Bible and not be saved because there is logic, there are facts, there are truths in there. They're not going to get the whole thing. So I guess what I'm saying is prayer for a believer is... Let me try to phrase this the right way. 
in a sense, more vital than the Bible. Because there are places in the world that people don't have a Bible and they can still have a relationship with God. So I think while I would never want to live without a Bible, I could still be a Christian as long as I had prayer. I could still grow. If you just had a Bible and didn't have prayer, I don't think you can say the same thing. Again, not trying to diminish the Bible, but you know, based on this statement, he's elevating prayer above Scripture. And I would say there's an element where I would agree. Right. Yeah, because, and that's a great way to put it. It's because of, we have a relationship with God. It's not just facts. right? And I know the Bible is more than facts, but it's not just information. There's that relationship, and that relationship is cultivated through prayer. Yes? So I guess think about it from this perspective. If you just drank milk and ate bread and exercised, could you gain more muscle? Yeah. But if you had meat and carbs and other things, could you gain more muscle and gain it quicker? Absolutely. So I think that's, in a sense, you know, not a great example, but that's what scripture is. It enhances our ability to communicate and have that relationship with God. So it's not, I'm not diminishing it in any way, just elevating prayer where most people maybe have not elevated it. He says, since the ultimate purpose of our salvation is to glorify God and to bring us into intimate, rich fellowship with him, failure to seek God in prayer is to deny that purpose, which I guess I could have read that and summed things up quicker. Uh, <laughs> All right. We've got a, a quote from E.M. Bounds. Anything on page 20, 21, or from that quote up to uh, the ways and means of prayer? Anyone underline anything? Louise? Anyone ever get an answer to their prayers while they were praying? 
I don't think it's, I do. I, I would, I mean, I wouldn't say it happens every day. Well, so for example, and I know that there are different uh, ways that this can happen, but I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was going through an extremely difficult time at work, and I was very frustrated, and I was praying for God to help me to get through a situation. And while I was praying, God greatly convicted me and helped me to see that I was a major part of the problem. That I had resentment, that I had um, uh, bitterness towards a person which caused a sinful response which elevated or escalated the problem. And God said, you need to love this man. Not complain about him. Now, not in an audible voice, don't get me wrong. But I mean, it was so clear to me while I was praying, it, it just like, it was seriously like somebody hit me in the head with a two by four and said, hello, McFly, right? Sorry. <sighs> so, things like that. I believe was an immediate answer to prayer. And in a sense, it wasn't what I was asking for, but it was exactly what I needed. So. All right. Anything on, on 22 or 23 under the ways and means of prayer? The circumstances, the place, the time? Yeah, so a couple of the questions that I asked last time. Let me grab my sheet real quick, and then we'll finish up here. Uh, do the words matter? Does our posture, location, our clothing matter? So I think he lays out somewhat what we started to talk about last time. Does every prayer need to be in a closet in perfect quiet? No. Should every prayer be five seconds long? No. <laughs> uh, does every prayer need to be uh, done in public? No. Do we always have to use flowery phrases, uh, introductions, uh, thesis and put our thesis and uh, eloquent ending. So I think what we can take away is 
it's not always going to look the same. It shouldn't always look the same. But it should show up in different ways at different times depending on where we're at. If we never pray on our knees, I would say we should consider it at, at minimum. If we always pray in public and not in private, I would say we should examine our hearts. You know, why are we doing it that way? I think ultimately this should get us to consider a normal day, how often we pray, how long we pray, where we pray, and we should realize, number one, that it should be fluid all throughout, and it should be different because we're doing different things, we're encountering different things. So if, it all, if it's always the same, I would say that's a problem. If it's rare, that's a huge problem. If it's rote, I would... So, absolutely. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think, and you, most of you have heard me talk about this, I think the vast majority of times when we pray, <clears throat> we have an idea of what we want to say. A lot of times we use similar phrases when we pray. Most of us fall into a rut with how we start and end a prayer, and we say the same things all the time. Here's what I would say. If you start your prayer every single time the same way, if you end your prayer every single time the same way, you're probably not putting that much thought into it. And I would argue, if you're not putting that much thought into it, there is a level of dishonor. And we can talk about that more, but I, I think there should be, our words should be intentional, not habitual. If we're saying things out of habit, I would question the intent of our hearts in that aspect of our prayers. Honestly, by being intentional. By, by seriously stopping. So, okay, I'll give you an example. And I'm, I'm not trying to, to pick on anybody. But I was reading a book on prayer, and it talked about a lot of the filler words that we use in our prayers. And one of the ones that I used all the time was just. Lord, just do this, just do that. And... He said, consider what you're saying. Are you saying just? Are you, are you intending to mean just? Or is that a filler word? And what I concluded for myself was that it was a filler word. And so whenever I would say it, I would catch myself, and I still do every once in a while, say, sorry, not just, and I would rephrase it. So, in a sense, we have to retrain ourselves. If we catch ourselves saying something and not, think, not believing it, 
not feeling it, then we, we stop and we say, all right, let me rephrase that, right? It's like asking for a do-over with your wife or your kids. So it's something that has to be worked on. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. All right. Do you want me to do prayer requests? All right. Oh, let me pray, and then we'll jump into that. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of prayer, the ability for us to come knowing that you hear us, knowing that you are at work even now in the things that we will pray about tomorrow. Lord, please convict us in the areas of our hearts where we are not praying faithfully, not praying fervently, not praying as frequently as we should. Father, train our hearts to honor you with our words, with our attitudes, and when appropriate, with our posture. Father, be exalted in these things, I pray.